Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and and what's what's going going down down on the farm. farm. It's It's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode number 355. Hope everybody had a terrific week out there. Uh, Still a little cold here in the Northeast, but the camps are open. Florida is abuzz with activity and the Mets are there. And of course, it wouldn't be a Mets camp without an injury. And we have the first one of the season. As Jed Lowry goes down with a sore knee, now they're not sure what is causing it. He said he hurt or was sore when he was uh, doing some baseball activities, running, sprinting, that sort of thing for the first time. Tried to work through it, but it was bothering him, so they shut him down, shipped him to New York. They're going to take an MRI and probably let the team doctors see him. That would be the course of action to take. And please don't rush him back. Let's learn from Bruce, Jay Bruce's uh, injury last uh, summer, last spring in camp and Cespedes. Let us take our time. Let this guy recuperate. We have enough depth to back him up with Frazier, with McNeil. Solid with Hetcheveria. I think that's how you say it. Who they just signed, a Dami Hetcheveria. Um, these guys are good major leaguers, and uh, you know, we're not reaching down and bringing up again uh, the Josh Satins and the Eric Campbell, and nothing against them, but you know what I mean. It, this is a different quality of player. So uh, <clears throat> let's not rush through this and let's uh, let him get healthy and get ready for opening day and the rest of the season. See, what else? Uh, Jacob deGrom, his agent, is in camp. Supposedly, they'll probably be talking about an extension. It looks like it could be iffy to get it done by the deadline of opening day. DeGrom is hinting at a possible shutdown. If he doesn't sign, please don't do that, Jason. Don't do that, Jacob. Don't do that at all. Don't get the fans against you by threatening the shutdown. Just go out and play. The money will be there. You're getting $17 this year. 
highest arbitration signing settlement ever. Uh, and then they, before they even got to arbitration, don't go threatening a shutdown. Like, don't pull a Matt Harvey and do that. It's just, it's not becoming. The fans don't like it. And if you're in a pennant race, you can't even talk about that stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that can go back and bite you in the you know where. So, uh, you know, just let it roll. Let's see. Maybe they'll get it done. I know you weren't happy with their non offer or whatever it was, but you know what? Brody was your agent. He's feeling out too. He's trying to learn to see what what kind of money you're talking about, what kind of money they can, uh, you know, spend, how many years. I say give them five years, 150 million. If he wants longer term, then, you know, I don't know. Five years is good, though. He'll be, at the end of a contract like that, he'll be 30, what, six? If he's still pitching well, he can go out and get another contract, another four-year or three-year contract somewhere at big buck. So let's get to that point first before uh, we start threatening all kinds of stuff. All right, Peter Alonzo is in camp, and he has changed his name. Yeah, no longer will he be Peter Alonzo. He will be Pete Alonzo's. <laughs> hey, look, Melvin Upton changed his name back to BJ Upton. Uh, is Mike Giancarlo Stanton going to change back to Mike Stanton? Who knows? Seems to be a trend this year uh, in <laughs> in baseball. And A-Rod was in camp doing a thing for ESPN. He did a interview with Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, caused quite a stir when A-Rod showed up at the Mets camp. But there he was in all his finery. And uh, he's taking this seriously. He's doing a good job with ESPN. And, and uh, uh, maybe he's found his calling. But he still attracts a big audience no matter where he goes. Little uh, controversial as he may be, people love him and hate him. And if you see him, you'll love him. Uh, he signs your autograph, you want it. And uh, <laughs> you could hate him five minutes before, but you'll love him if he signs for you. And finally, uh, Manny Machado signed with the Padres. Thank goodness we got him out of our division. He's not in our division. Uh, he's out west. We, we, we only see him once or twice. We don't really care. That's good. That's good news. Harper's still out there. We don't know where he's going to end up. He could still end up with the Phillies or the Nationals or the Braves. Phillies, I don't know, some stuff coming out of the series. You know, they want him. They were after him seriously, but the GM said that he was scared off by the $300 million contract Machado got, (coughs) saying that the contract, that contract will exceed our valuation of Harper. So, and Harper's turned down a $300 million offer, apparently, from a couple of teams, including the Nationals, earlier this year. So, if he's shutting down on $300 million, he wants more than that. <clears throat> the Phillies could be out of it. Uh, the Nats could be out of it. Though, they're still talking like they got a shot. Maybe they, they feel... That they could get him back on a one-year deal? I I don't know. 
But we've got one team out of one guy out of our division. Giants are uh, speculated to, to have a serious shot to sign Harper, and I hope they get him. <laughs> they get him, get both of them, ship them both out, out to the West Coast, get them out of our division. So we we went from a possibility of the Phillies getting both of them to neither one of them being in our division. So that'll be good news for Met fans. That's the best scenario we could possibly have is that they uh, both shipped themselves out to the West Coast and uh, signed with teams out there. All right, got a terrific interview for you tonight, so I hope you will uh, stay and listen for that, and I'll be back with that right after this message. Uh, This is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports, you can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. 516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash metsmusings. Joining me tonight is the author of a terrific book. It is called Shea Stadium Remembered. And for those of us us old-timers that spent a lot of our time growing up, Shea Stadium was our home away from home. And uh, uh, this book brings back a lot of memories of that. And the author's name is Matthew Silverman, and he's on the line with me right now, Matt. 
Welcome to Mets Musings. Well, thanks, Gary. Uh, I am very excited to be here. It, uh, you know, your first paragraph really is my first question. Uh, why a book on Shea Stadium? You know, that was my first question um, <laughs> because I was asked to do this. Um, and I did you know, explain in the um, what it, you know, what it is about it. And I, I have to say, you know, with with all that aside, that I've been getting a lot of um, good response from people really excited about Shea Stadium, that it's, you know, it's not around anymore. So you can admit that you, um, you know, that that you love the place. You know, I, I, I don't know that that's too strong of a word. And, you know, I have to admit, I have something similar in my life with the Expos that I couldn't really uh, um, maybe it's not the same, but. The, the Expos, I couldn't admit that I liked them because the Mets were always playing them, always <laughs> losing to them in key points. And then when they left, I was like, you know, I really miss the Expos. And, and I do. Um, I can't stand the Nationals. Um, and I think some people have that same affinity for Shea Stadium. Personally, I never had any problem with Shea. And I have more of a problem getting myself up and excited for the current team than thinking about the teams I grew up with. Um, you know, whether they were, you know, cause even the bad teams now is part of nostalgia, you, right. know, they grew up. <laughs> you know, the current bad teams are just current bad teams, but, uh, you know, you that one, when you were 15 years old that you'll never get back, you That's know? Right. So, <laughs> well, when I, I, I go back to the polo grounds. So, uh, when Shea opened, that was like a shining gem of, of a stadium compared to what the polo grounds was. And I, I tell young kids all the time, you know, you you don't realize that you, you said, you know, uh, kids that went the last couple of years to, to Shea, when they became fans, they think that that was it. But I said, no, they played in the polo grounds and that was really bad. So Shea was a shining gem. And, and for a lot of us, it became uh, our home, away from home, as I said. Uh, we grew up with it and... Uh, you, you know, your question uh, that you answer in the first, I think it's the first paragraph or so about nostalgia. That's that's what it is now. It's it's it, it not yeah. only it's not only about Shea Stadium, the ball field. It's also about our youth. Exactly that. It's um, you know, uh, I think I was um, uh, channeling a little Dana Brand. I don't know if you, you, you remember him. That he he wrote uh, the the book the uh, the last book I guess on Shea before this one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the what's it? Not last play at Shea. Um, I I actually have it right here. The um and and uh, I actually um uh, talked with his uh, his widow because he unfortunately died a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um and he really followed. Uh, all the way to the end. I didn't have the heart and I don't live close enough to have driven to Shea when it was being uh, torn down, but he was down there until like the final week before it actually went down, which was just about 10 years ago. Right. Um, you know, this week or you know, last week or whatever. And uh, um, so I sort of channeled some of that uh, from him as well and reprinted um, his, his last word on Shea because I really concentrated on it as it was open and what led to the opening. And I even have a little information about the polo grounds and, you know, what led to the Mets uh, originally, which was the uh, exodus of the Dodgers and the Giants. And uh, I even found out that it was built, um, uh, th that the, it, the spot there 
was created during the last ice age and yeah. <laughs> uh, all the silt and the marsh and everything from it receding and melting and, and everything was a direct result of that. And then they proceeded to fill it in with as much garbage and mm-hmm. dust and, and uh, ashes that they could uh, get from New York. Mm-hmm. They were going to make it a deep, a deep port, which I also didn't know. Um, but world war one intervened and then went on to, um, Robert Moses's, um, radar, even though radar hadn't been invented then. (laughs) And Moses was a little crazy though, getting to think that the Dodges would move out of Brooklyn where they were Mm -hmm. iconic and come to flushing was just a crazy idea to begin with. Uh, he probably would have been better off trying to get the giants initially to move out there, but, why he chose the Dodgers and not the Giants, I don't know. But uh... the Giants would have been a much better call. Although I think uh, they were really on their own mission to find a new place um, at the time, and they were they were focusing in on Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and they uh, which ended up a couple of years later the Senators moved there, right. and they sort of the the Giants of this whole deal. The, you know, they were like uh, when you, you know, you do um, musical chairs and someone's left standing there uh, all alone. The Giants, you know, they ended up having a stadium in their own uh, recent success. But uh, it was not easy going for them because the Mets 